Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, with Brian Robb and Michael Pina, I'm Rich Levine, and welcome to episode three of the Winning Plays podcast. And B-Rob, I actually want to get a, a quick ruling on something from you here. So the, the three of us have previously recorded something like 90 episodes together. It was mm-hmm. under the, uh, the Big Three podcast. It's now been a week since we moved over to CLNS Media. We're very appreciative of everything they've done to help us out. Changed the name to Winning Plays. But we're just going to reset the counter. Right? Episode three? So... I, I have been when I've posted them up, but it, it's sad because two more episodes would have been our hundredth uh, for the big three. So, yeah. Oh, really? Well, I know because I thought you know Mike had put the deposit for Little Funk to perform right at the at the anniversary <laughs> show. Lucky was going to show up, I think. He, like, well, maybe we'll just just table it for now. It's it's it's, it's up in the shoot. Oh man, I didn't even. Yeah, know we this. were really close to a hundred, but now we're we're back to DJ Dennis Johnson. That's not a bad number. <laughs> We'll have, um, a, we'll have a five episode five anniversary show and then we'll just we'll just carry it over to that i like that all right well either way we're recording this on a wednesday last night Celtics snapped a four game losing streak their first win of the winning plays podcast era which is nice 116 106 on the road in cleveland and uh the fact that Kyrie didn't play will eventually transition nicely into what we're going to talk about uh, our, our bigger conversation for today which basically what happens if Kyrie leaves you know if if, if Worst comes to worst, he decides he doesn't want to resign this summer. What should the Celtics do? What can the Celtics do? Uh, we're going to get in that from a few different angles. But first, Mr. Michael Pina, real quick, give me something from last night, the Cavs game. Most likely we lost the history, but did you see anything of significance, any harbingers of, uh, of something real? I, in watching it, not so much because it was just a kind of a blase game against the Cavs without Kyrie Irving, and the Cavs are terrible. And so uh, it was like a you know late March regular season game. But I did think it was really interesting. Uh, Jalen Brown's minutes. Um, you know, he was essentially replaced by Marcus Morris, who came off the bench um, uh, for the first time in a very long time. Aaron Baines started. Uh, along with Terry Rozier, Al Horford, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart. Uh, and, you know, Jalen only played uh, 18 minutes, which, which were his third fewest of the season. And the other two were the game in Miami when he got into that little tussle with Marcus Morris and just a random blowout victory over the Hornets. So I can go on about this, but uh, that that was my big takeaway. All right, yeah. And, and this is coming off you know, two games ago, the one of his better games of the season coming off the bench. Then follows it up against the Spurs with a bit of a no-show. I thought that last night was one of those games where maybe he just like didn't give it the, the right effort on a few plays early, and and, and Brad almost not not quit on, but was like, hey, if you're if you're, if you're not going to be here tonight, we can't worry about you. 
Yeah, I mean, but it, like from the start, so it, he, if you just look at like the quick substitution pattern, like he subs into the first quarter a couple minutes later than he normally does, only plays two minutes in the fourth quarter, sits the last 10. Um, you know, I went back and rewatched the fourth quarter to see if you know, he made some egregious error and that's why he was benched. And there was, you know, one defensive play early on where. He got a little bit detached from Jordan Clarkson, and, and Yabusele had to rotate off and foul Jordan Clarkson to prevent a layup. And uh, it seemed to be a little that I, I missed on the first view, but Marcus Morris and Jalen had some words for each other at the free throw line while, while Clarkson was shooting free throws. Um, beyond that, I, I didn't see anything wrong, and it's just a little odd to me. Uh, for him to be on the bench as long as he was in this yeah. game. Yeah, Rob, what did you see? We'll get we'll get back to that eventually, but yeah. So I mean, I mean, just to for from the Jalen standpoint, it kind of ties into my takeaway. But I think he wasn't good at all defensively last night, um, and I think he made a couple errors. And like, I agree with Rich in terms of just like you know, we are going to go. We're not going to toy with this tonight if you're not going to stick with Clarkson and work way around screens. And I think. The very last play of the third quarter, guys, when we and Yabusele mm-hmm. ended up on Sexton one on one, off a made basket, as the ball rolled down the floor. If you look at that play, Jalen kind of literally goes picks someone up down the floor. Doesn't notice that Yabu is on um, Sexton at that point. Rozier obviously could have taken him too, but he had another guy he'd want to leave right open. And so I think just the awareness of that play in general it might have been like a final straw for Jalen with, with the coaching staff just for that game. Yeah, um, you've, said, you've said it a few times, and I think you're not the, the only one asking. It's just like, when is Brad going to not lose trust, but like at some point, you, you you know, when we get to this point in the season, if a guy doesn't have it, he doesn't have it. But it's, it's just strange that Jalen seems to be the one that get punished in that situation because he certainly isn't the only one having these kind of lapses. Yeah, no question about it. And I'm not sure whose fault it was. Like, I don't know if it was Yabu's fault or if it was Jalen's fault or if it was Rozier's fault, but clearly that was that was terrible. Like, that can't happen um, in that kind of situation. And so, you know, maybe Jalen got the blame last night. But my, my main takeaway from the game, from just watching it, from watching 30 minutes of Rozier at point guard and, the minute, and just the minute, the new minute arrangements and the obviously the tendency to go bigger now finally – Brad Stevens having his come to Jesus moment and realizing that the defense needs Baines and Horford together as much as possible to keep itself together. But I don't know if Rozier is going to play more than like 10 minutes a game in the postseason now, if that, just straight up. <laughs> like, because Kyrie comes back, he's taking, obviously, he's taking 30, 35 minutes at least in these games. What is, like, if, if you want to play solid defensively, you're going with Hayward, you're going with Smart. You're going um, with Jalen, even I think, over Rozier, um, and could, especially when you consider the bad shots Rozier's still taking on the offensive end. Like I'm just, I, I wonder just how much he's going to play in the postseason, guys. Well, how much do you think this is dependent on matchups? To a degree, like you know, yeah, that's because that's always really important in the playoffs, right? Like you know, if, if they're going up against hypothetically, let's say the Raptors, which we know that they're probably not going to play for the first couple of rounds, but you know, the, the Raptors like to play Lynn and Lowry together at the start of second and fourth quarters. And so, um, you know, it, it's likely that you'd want to have, uh, assuming that's when Kyrie might get his rest at the beginning of those, of those frames, like 
you might have Terry out there uh, for those situations, but I, I'm with you, B-Rob. I mean, he hasn't really shown, like, when the pull-up three is not falling. What does he do? Or, the, <laughs> just, or just the pull-up jumper. Um, you know, he was he was aggressive, but he, he, he can't drop. Like, if, I, if there's one thing about his game that obviously needs to improve, it's, in my opinion, like, an ability to just draw fouls when when he's on, when he's driving to the basket and he, he leaves his feet he's so acrobatic in the air and he tries to finish uh, like around guys and just like draw the contact get to the free throw line because you're gonna hit the deck no matter what um he had a couple of those last night that were really gross so i mean i don't i don't know I, i'm still I, I still generally like him but I, I definitely agree with what you're saying and it wouldn't surprise me at all if his minutes were cut i'm trying like, to think what did uh like nate robinson when he when when he was with the Celtics for that one run right that could be the kind of role you're looking at yeah just like you you'll try him out like you'll give him a shot but um if, if he's hot tough. he's hot but if he's not then like you know, he plays those four minutes and then he goes back to the bench. <laughs> I'm not like, as down on him as you guys are, by the way. I still think that he's going to be a, a solid contributor in the, in the postseason. I think he wins them at least one one playoff game. I don't know. I think he's shown it. He's a, I think he's a big time player. I think he's going to have his opportunity. Like assuming that they do play play the Pacers, he's going to have an opportunity to get comfortable. I think. Um, I don't know. I just said I've I've, I've said this the last couple of shows. I. I think that this team, this core, when it comes down to it, is going to be ready to step up. There's nothing to to prove that either way until it happens. But that's just where I am. I agree. I just don't necessarily. I just don't necessarily think that he's. He's like, not going to get the opportunity to part of the core. I, don't think, <laughs> I, just don't know. I mean, who knows what Marcus Smart's going to do? I mean, who knows what what injury, how injuries are going to play out? I mean, I'm just saying, like they they and and let's be honest, the, a part of the biggest reason for for keeping him around for most of the season was insurance, when you could have maybe traded right. him. Yeah, but he's been bad. I, but he's been like, getting, but, yeah, but there's a lot of context to there's a lot of context to how bad he is. Like you he, could like, have you should have traded him at the trade deadline, I think, and given and find someone else in that spot. But um, but that's so easy to say someone else. Like who who are you gonna get? That's gonna Jeremy be better. Jeremy Lin. You'd rather have Jeremy Lin than Terry Rozier. Yeah, I would. Mm, that's interesting. I I'm, I don't disagree or agree with that. Right. Pretty now, sure I disagree. In terms. It, in terms of like, this is going to tie into our next conversation. But if the Celtics are still confident in Terry Rozier's potential, um, I'd much rather have Terry, I think, over the next few years than than someone like Lanner or just trying to play mix and match. Yeah, I mean, position. I'm just talking about this year. Obviously, you'd rather have Rozier yeah. long term. I just went for for this team for sure. when he's only going to be playing ten minutes a game. Um, someone who who knows what they, someone who understands their, what they can and can't do. And what they shouldn't like the shots they should and shouldn't be taking. Um, Rozier has great upside when he gets a lot of playing time. I don't think that's going to happen in the playoffs, which means I feel like his role is, you know, I'm is. I mean, you hope he goes back to two years ago when he was, you know, I think great in spot duty in the playoffs. But unless he can kind of buy into that, you know, doing. Yeah. Sticking to what he does well, then it might be trouble. It's hard after you taste it. And you talk about like like Jeremy Lin. He's a guy at this point in his career. He understands if I'm going to play in the NBA, I need to be a role player. It's my only chance. Right. Rozier sure. still thinks that if he, it's just a matter of opportunity, and maybe it's true, but it's just until until he knows that either way, I think it's going to be hard for him to to just suck it up as easily as, as people would like him to. You know, it's really funny. I was just quickly looking at the numbers. Rozier's usage in this regular season is 
almost equal. It's like a point below what it was during the playoffs last year. When you would assume that his usage that's was a, so high. That's the problem right there, Mike. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, I mean, yeah, hopefully, that's not good. again, if he, maybe it clicks with him. Maybe it clicks for the postseason or maybe it clicks when he loses some minutes, um, which I think is a reason why Brad should have maybe cut some of his minutes earlier to kind of get through to him on that. But again, like you said, Rich, it all comes down to the postseason. If he looks like he did last year, then it'll all be worth it, obviously. Uh, all right, should I give my, my observation and then we can move on to, to the main event? Let us have it, Rich. Cool. All right, well, first of all, I should say that uh, we should say the Celtics did clinch a playoff spot. Whatever, it is that's somewhat, somewhat significant, <laughs> at least worth, worth mentioning. Uh, and then my, my thing yeah. that stuck out a little bit was actually the second quarter, a missed layup by, by Gordon Hayward, which you wouldn't think would be significant, but it was a nice move. He drove, he sort of, you know, sort of like, I don't know if he did a full jump step, but he was moving similar to a way that, that the Celtics would like him to, and they need him to, to, you know, to be the guy that they owe $32 million next year. But um, is that a, did you just sigh? Mike, when I said that? No, no, no. That wasn't me. No, no. I, uh, that was, that's what I do every time is this, I see that number. Was this the uh, the attack when he attacked the closeout drove baseline? No, it was no, no, no. This is a miss. So it was it was second quarter and it was oh, the reverse. Okay. And he tried to like sort of put a little little English on it with his right hand from the opposite side. He went like up and under. Anyways, he missed it. And you know, first inclination, I look at Gordon. And he was pissed that he missed it. Like, that was his reaction. He was angry. Whereas, I think for the first three months of the season, every single one of those moves, when you looked at Gordon, it seemed like he was just, like, happy to have not hurt himself. You know what I mean? Like, like I just feel like as we've seen him progress over the course of the season, just with that mental aspect, it was one of the first times that I've seen him make a move like that. And it just didn't even seem like the injury was on his mind. So, I thought that was nice to see. B-Rev, you, yeah, B-Rev, you just wrote about him. Yeah. Right? Um, I wrote about... The numbers, the yeah, numbers, numbers have been fantastic, right, for jarring. the past two months. Yeah. Um, offense, and, and that, I think that's a great observation, Rich, just in terms of, you know, he's making, like, he's, expectations are rightfully higher now for him because he's progressed to that point. And so where, uh, like, he'll not even just attempt the shot like that, he, like, expects to make it now. And, again, heading into the postseason, that's a good thing. And if you don't want Terry out there, Right, and, and, me, and Pina, I think yeah, I think and I think Mike had made this argument initially, but like maybe Gordon runs the point with the second unit. Yes, hundred percent. I think that is your, I think that's your play right now. And even like guarding, like even guarding a point guard who's faster, like just Hayward's just awareness, defensive awareness, not like cheating off two guys too much and not being able to contest them for threes, just stuff like that. Like I'll take the reliability of Hayward over the unpredictability of Terry. I think. But reliable in Gordon Hayward yeah. up until very, very recently. And I'm not sure if I even want to go there yet, but he hasn't been reliable this year. No, he hasn't. But the point, I think the point is like they need, they need him. Like they, you, you need him to perform at a consistent level uh, if you're going to advance multiple rounds in the playoffs. I, I think that that's, that's not like a controversial statement. Not at all. That means cut and dry. <laughs> like, should that be our, the title of this podcast? Celtics need Gordon Hayward to be good. That's that's that's. Yeah. <laughs> they seem to be solid. I think it's what like thirteen points or whatever. That's like the they have a ridiculous record when they he scores thirteen points or more. And if he doesn't get there, then you know I think that's a, that's a very reasonable expectation. I'm scrolling through 
his game log right now really quick. And this was the third time all season long that he played back-to-back games uh, over 30 minutes. Yeah. Give him those minutes, baby. Wow. I, I want him 30 to 35 minutes a game in the postseason. Um, keep keep Cherry down in the – I mean, and Jalen, too. Like, who do you – you guys prefer Jalen – you obviously want – like, how many more minutes do you want for Jalen versus Rozier in the playoffs, would you say? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Every I, single year I am surprised by the playoff rotation. <laughs> like, it's always – I always, like, underestimate – you know, I don't know. I – I don't know where the man's going to come from. Mike, you can go with it. Sorry. No, I think it is just a, I think it's matchup dependent. And I think it's just based on feel of how they look from the start, how engaged they are, how energetic they are. You know, when Terry hits his first three, I I feel like pretty good about what he's going to do the rest of his stint. Um, And basically same with Jalen to some, some certain extent. Um, so I, I don't know. That's a really difficult question to answer. Yeah, I guess for like the Pacers guarding like Evans off the bench, Tyreek. Like, mm. do you want Jalen doing that? Do you want Terry doing that? I think that's going to be. Is this a segue? Sure, Rob. Okay, the wonderful. The king of the segue. Um, right. So I, it, the, the Celtics are playing the Pacers on Friday. Um, so you know, we just wanted to. I think we should just talk real quick about, you know, why that's important. Not get too deep into it because we know, we're going to do a lot of playoff preview stuff, I would imagine. Um, so we don't want to, sh- you know, shoot our load here. But, um, you know, just talking about what's important here uh, in that game, if they're going to be vanilla, do you, like what are you guys expecting from just that first game on uh, on Friday? I, I think I think it's going to be. I'll be surprised, and it sounds like such a homer thing to say, but I'll be surprised if this is not one of those games that the Celtics don't come out and, and win by like twenty. I think they have something to prove. I think I think if they have it in them still, that it will be there on Friday. Yeah, I mean, if you you wave goodbye to the the four seed if you lose this game, like straight up. And so again, how much that matters, we'll find out. Um, I'm fascinated to see. You know, Brad Stevens last night pretty much announced that he's going game by game for the starting lineup going forward, which so is weird. like, I I think this is <laughs> fantastic news. I think this is something that should have been done a while ago. Um, that's why I don't think but, it's fantastic news. It should have yeah, been done exactly. a while I mean, that's, ago. But whatever, like the fact that he's already at this point, like he needed to get here, like they cost themselves a chance at the three seed because they waited too long, but whatever, that might work out anyway in their benefits. So that's not a... A, a huge issue, but I'm curious for this Pacers matchup, guys. Like the Baines Horford front line, you could make a lot of pros and a lot of cons in terms of starting at Miles Turner. You don't want to have Baines out there guarding him from three, but at the same time, he can him and Young can hurt you on the offensive glass if you start like Hayward out there or Morris, God forbid. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm I'm curious just how much. Like what direction Brad's going to go in, and we we they have two games coming up against them. So, like, how much is going to be shown here? How much is not going to be shown? Like, I'm very curious how that's going to work. I, I you sent that text out to us, B. Rob. I I would be pretty surprised if he if he went away from that front line uh, on Friday. Um, just like a gut feel. I I think that. Starting Baines and Hort. Look, like it, another thing we should be talking about is um, 
you know, they have a, they're in Brooklyn the next night, mm-hmm. which is, that's not a cakewalk at all. Brooklyn's suddenly fighting for their, their schedule. schedule's so brutal. <laughs> like, I don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah. So, I, like, if you're this, I, so I don't know, like, do you think that, how much do you think that factors into who plays or how long players play? Like, because I, I don't, I don't think they're going to treat this Pacers game as a must win. I really, I really don't. I mean, they should if they want the four seed. I think they can take off their foot off the gas later, but what, they got two days off beforehand. Like, I think guys will be on a minutes limit. Like, I'll be probably limited to, you know, 30 minutes tops. Baines, Brad Stevens, this is hilarious, last night said, you know, Baines was on a minutes limit last night, but he played the most minutes he's had all year at 25, which is just like <laughs> the story of this season, I feel like, Rich. Like, that he's not like... Not the story of the season, but like an underlying storyline that like this combo that's worked so well last year, he's just hasn't gone to it much. And yeah, I mean, I'd also be interested. He's do, turned to it now. Do we have the numbers on how many games Horford and Bands have even been healthy together this year? Yeah, I mean, it's. I would say it's upward. It's. I did some quick research on it today. I'd say between thirty-five and forty games, and they've played together for half of those. Um, so right, thirty-five to forty is a lot of games. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, they're, they're like I've said before, uh, like certain like the the Celtics. Not that they didn't know what they're doing, but there's a reason for everything they're doing. I'm, I'm not saying that we know what it is, but like you know, as as we're going down the stretch here, and they're just just throwing a bunch of things out there. Do you think that they're doing this to find something that works, or they're doing this just to put more stuff on film? Like, uh, I don't know. I because it, it would feel kind of desperate. And maybe that's the situation. That's the point. Right now, Brad Stevens at this point in the season just just puts up his hands. Okay, let's just start throwing stuff out there, and hopefully, one thing's going to work. I'm not sure if it, it is that, especially because what we talked about last episode with those those two five man units that are so obvious that seem so obviously to be among the most talented in the NBA uh, that they haven't been using. I don't know. I still tend to believe that maybe they're saving that for the playoffs. I uh, yeah I I agree. Um, I don't think that playing Baines and Hartford is throwing shit against the wall. No, though. but in terms like, of just the tinkering yeah, going they, forward, yeah, it's, it's, we know that it's it's successful. Right. It's a successful tandem for a lot of reasons on both ends of the floor, um, especially with Baines. You know, since he broke out the three point shot, which he's kind of put in his back pocket recently. But um, I I actually do, I mean, so the Celtics are a game and a half back right now of the Pacers. And I, I just took a quick glance at the Pacers' remaining schedule, and tonight they're against OKC in OKC. Then they're at Boston versus Orlando in a back-to-back. Orlando is one of the best teams in the in the league uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, two games against Detroit. Detroit's fighting for their playoff life. Uh, another game against the Celtics. That one is in Indiana. Uh, a game against Brooklyn, and then. Uh, their season finale is in Atlanta, and Atlanta has been pretty tough. So I don't. Th- I think like B Rob, are you just completely like I don't? Are, are we sure that this is a game? Yeah, I know it would, well, it would really screw the odds up, and I'm not really sure what the, the tiebreaker is, but um, pretty. I don't know. That's a that's a it's tough, a tough run. run for the Pacers, but the Celtics' schedule wasn't easy either. Like they got Brooklyn on Saturday. Yeah, but the Celtics are so consistent. I know, exactly, that's the thing. Right? We don't like, have to worry, don't have to worry fine, about no. them. I mean, the Celtics pretty much, like, <laughs> say the Pacers go 4-4 four and four against that schedule, which I think is like a 
a reasonable, like, guess maybe a little bit worse, but, like, whatever. They've played b- above expectations for a lot of the year. The Celtics have to play Miami twice. They have to play Orlando at home. Um, obviously, Brooklyn on the second half of the back-to-back. Like, their only gimme game is against the Wizards on the last night of the year. So I don't yeah. think, like, you can't fall two and a half behind with six games to play and expect to catch them with the Celtics schedule. Like, yeah, that's, that's just no way to go into the playoffs. I mean, they have, they have a, a, they're in a position Friday to go and actually not even take advantage, put themselves in a better position. Like, there's just no need to assume that maybe the Pacers are going to struggle down the stretch. Like, right. this is the opportunity. The Celtics. This team doesn't need excuses to, to, to not try hard. Exactly. So right before we jump into our, our big conversation, I have one quick stat that I think is really interesting about the, the Pacers. Uh, so their record since Victor Oladipo's injury is 13 and 14. Guess what Boston's is? <laughs> um, 12, and 12 and 15. 14 Ooh. and 13. Wow. Does that mean that so, Celtics get uh, home court? <laughs> that, that's that's not what that means, no. sadly. No. Um, B-Rob, why don't you bring us into our, uh, our big, big conversation. That yeah. We're about to have. So I think this is, um, kind of perfect timing for this. Just given, I don't know, just talking to a lot of, uh, Celtics fans around, they, a lot of them still like Kyrie, but a lot of them aren't crazy about committing to lifelong term of Kyrie. And so a lot of them want to know, okay, Hey, what, what happens if, Kyrie leaves, like, should, can they do a sign-and-trade? Uh, who can they sign if he walks? Do they have cap space, etc.? So uh, this is, uh, we thought, a perfect opportunity to just lay out uh, the possibilities and exactly where the Celtics will go from a situation in which Kyrie walks in free agency and this team obviously still wants to contend um, right away. So I guess the first thing that... I think it's fair to ask because it's going to be pretty much decided at the same time is um, will the Celtics still go after Anthony Davis uh, and how aggressively will that happen um, if Kyrie walks in the early stages of free agency? Yeah. uh, My thoughts on this are that Tatum immediately is eliminated from the negotiation. I, I, I do not put Tatum in that at all um he's way too valuable a long-term uh franchise type of talent to uh lose uh, as a 20 21 year old uh with ad only having one more year in his contract so my offer would be something along the lines of Jalen, smart uh yabu and time lord that that's uh that makes the money work and then I'd probably throw in two firsts, maybe three. I which, don't really which care if, if they're in this. It, uh, not Memphis is big. So Sacramento, Clippers. Uh, I think Memphis is, is not like a, a deal breaker necessarily, but I would try to hold on to that. I'd give up uh, Clippers, Sacramento, uh, Celtics' own pick in this year's draft. And that would be my offer, and I think that's a pretty damn good offer. Um, I don't know who's and you, and you it, think and you think he resigns in Boston, obviously, because you, you can't you can't give you can't give no. I, th- I think it's a, well, why not? 
I think this is it's gamble time. The Celtics didn't know that they were going to keep Kyrie when they traded for him, and they gave up Colin Sexton, who's like, look at Colin Sexton last night. Oh, you're being half. Wait, a season. But you got the Cavs didn't know that they were going to lose Kyrie. You're saying? No, 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 I'm saying the, when the Celtics traded for Kyrie Irving, it's like you give up future assets, you give up. Uh, I mean, right, but that was two years, right? Yeah, that was two years of Kyrie, though. You're giving up a lot more okay, sure, for sure. one year of AD. Two years with, okay, with sure. Jordan, but with I think the, the, before the injury with Al Horford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That, all good points, but I think that it, the bottom line is that it's a. I'm making this offer, I think, under the assumption that I'll be able to convince Anthony Davis to stay, and that is why I'm not putting Jason Tatum in it. I'm not doing it with any guarantee that he will. I do think that if you have, you know, Hayward looking a, a, a year removed, looking better, maybe an all back to All Star form, um, uh, Tatum still on the team in year three, he'll probably make a leap, most likely you would think. Uh, and Anthony Davis healthy, committed, uh, in a contract year for him. Uh, I think that that is a good enough nucleus to go to the finals. And so that's that's what I'm banking on if I'm the Celtics. Uh, when you say healthy, Anthony that's... Davis, just a scary, a scary term. That's another thing you have to worry about, too. Just staying on the court, too. So it sounds like, Rich, you're not willing to go that high. Well, no, I mean, part, of it, it? part of it for me is just like, I, I Rich Paul is a factor as well. Sure. I think for one year. I mean, because we, we've all talked to people around the league, and what, the, what this guy pulled at the deadline, was, like I've heard it compared to Russian propaganda, you know? It was it was like dirty, like evil stuff. And I don't know if you want to bring that into, into the organization, especially if it's just going to be... Well, he, he does rep Marcus Morris. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> start, start some Marcus Morris rumors. We'll see how, the, uh, how it works. But, you know, I, I, I worry about that a little bit. But I don't know. I, I just think that if you lose Kyrie, it, it's just kind of a, another direction. I, I, not that it's not possible. I don't know if I don't think I'd give up Jalen Brown, though, for, for Anthony Davis in that situation. On the banking on unconvincing him to stay. So you would. So you don't you don't want to trade for AD then? I do. I, I, I just don't think he's going to stay without Kyrie. Well, you got to give something to get something. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, the the better option is to just just stay just stay with that core that was building a lot last year. You know that that Kyrie-less Celtics with a better Gordon Hayward, and just see where the rest of the chips fall. Let let Zarin and Danny do their thing and like win every little trade and, and keep building. I know it's not great, but like we know crazy things are going to continue to happen in the league. Yes. Yeah, so before we accelerate beyond, like B Rob, what are your thoughts about? About AD here, if Kyrie leaves. I mean, you're not going to agree with me. Like you're, that's the kind of offer that you can realistically get him for. Like Jalen Smart and your all your picks this year. I don't make that deal unless I get some kind of like... Unless I feel better than 50-50, he's going to stay. And whether or not that happens, who knows? Like, I mean, I, it doesn't sound like they'll get that kind of a commitment out of his camp based just obviously on the, the narrative that's come out in the last six months surrounding Boston. But I do think, you know, I'm not, sh- I don't think AD Hayward and Horford necessarily makes you a contender right away. Uh, or at least not a top contender right away, I should say, uh, depending Tatum. again where, where Duran is. Tatum too. Yeah. Like I, I'm not sure like that. Like I think, I think Tatum would be an all-star. Uh, if if this were like, to happen, 
That's like, like my tell assumption. me where I think a lot depends too. Like where, where's Kevin Durant right now? Like what do the Warriors look like? Um, if the Warriors are broken up and there's no super team in play, then I'm more inclined to gamble. If Durant surprises everyone and stays in Golden State, then I say I'm more inclined to not use a lot in one year and uh, look for guys I feel better about staying long term. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I we talked a lot about this offline. I don't care what other people are doing, um, and I don't really. Let, I would not let it impact my uh, decision making process. Regards like regarding. Uh, so, if Kyrie Kyrie were to leave, I would not let it impact. You know what I wanted to do with, or I would let it impact what I wanted to do with. Uh, my own free agents, but uh, you know, the the in terms of how aggressive I was or not aggressive, or uh, if I wanted to, you know, trade Gordon and then completely break it down because there's a new super team in the East or wherever it may be, uh, I just wouldn't really let that necessarily dictate my direction or how aggressive I was. Um, but like, I think that the the next most interesting thing in the event that that Kyrie leaves and his free agency has really not been talked about that much, but I think it's critical for a lot of reasons is Al Horford. Uh, so like, what, Rich, what would you do if uh, Kyrie leaves and Horford opts out? What what is the negotiation like for you on for, pretending you're in the Celtics front office? What is your approach? But there? The, fir- the first thing we just point out is that Al Al's going to be figured out before Kyrie, right? Correct. Like about in terms of his opt in and opt out, like we'll have to make a decision there. Yeah, we're assuming he opts out and Kyrie leaves. Yes. So so it's fine because uh, B Rob, we, we, I bring this up every time it comes up. But you know, you you had talked about sort of a KG like deal for for Al, right? Where you can give him a little bit more guarantee, more years, fewer money, but just more guaranteed money, right? Right. Sure. Um, but that was always on the assumption that he's like going to be the center of the sixth man, you know, among you know three three or four other stars. Correct. So, man. So I don't know, you, like, like I, I, and I've said this. I don't want to max out Al Horford if you don't, if you, if you don't have, uh, if you don't have Kyrie, you don't know about Anthony Davis. I just don't think that is the time to make that long-term huge investment in Al. And I don't know how long it would have to so, be. So, okay. So, but but what if another team is willing to give him a three-year max? So you just, you just, I, I mean, you say you don't want to react to other teams you have you set what you want three year max no no i'm reacting to the market in terms of uh like this guy might right. leave i get it. and what and so, i was going to be what 33 this summer or 32 i think it's 32 i'd have to double check that but it's up there so three year max and what are we so what's what's the number on that so i mean that's probably going to be that's a hundred yeah it's probably million, between 35 and 40 million a year i would think if Kyrie, um, man, right? Escalators. So, so, uh, and I wish we could put a pin on that for a second because interesting. I'm thinking, like, is are we assuming that Terry Rozier is not going to be brought back? Like, I'm trying to fill out. I'm trying to fill out the picture around L, assuming we are going to give him that that three year deal. I mean, I feel like in terms of, I mean, we'll get to other names, but if you're bringing L back, and well, first of all, you might need to 
tell him you're getting someone else to bring him back in the first place, since he wants to contend. So I don't think he is going to stick around to be a five or four or five seed in the East if there he has other appealing options in terms of contending. So that I think is uh, a concern here, obviously, with maybe a, a a domino effect of Kyrie walking and being like, all right, I was like, all right, well now what are you guys gonna do? He's like, oh, we're just gonna run it back here. Like, well, are we good enough? Like, probably not. Like, though, why am I? I'm definitely not gonna take a discount. And am I gonna resign? Like, I think he wants to stay, but I think that would have to change his, you know, mindset. And you you almost would have to account for that in terms of do so do you think that that do you think that that puts the like lights the fire under ad yeah potentially sure because then if you're gonna if al's gonna walk for nothing too then you're like straight up like you're rebuilding you're rebuilding you're a good rebuilding you're like a playoff rebuilding yeah i mean it's not it's not like the raptors you know i mean it seems like that's what you guys want the Celtics to do is to just you have all this stuff built up and just so Kyrie leaves and then they they panic and it seems like just like the trade for AD, like to make sure you keep Al Horford. Like, it's just the basis, the, the foundation for greatness is there. Or you're not, maybe you're not trained for AD. Maybe you're trained for someone else. Throw out another name. We can get to that later. I mean, okay. do you want to go through that now or later? Might, well, we might as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Bradley Beal. Sure. Bradley Beal is, I feel like, the most obvious option. He's got two years left on his deal. Um, he obviously fills a scoring hole that would be pretty apparent if Kyrie leaves. He's not as expensive as Kyrie. Uh, he's going to take a lot. Like the Wizards aren't going to, you know, give him up for nothing. They still say they want to keep him, but that's a guy I think would be your top plan B um, if AD if Kyrie walks and AD is too expensive or you just don't want to do that. Yeah, I want. I wanted to mention mm. Beal, B-Rob, because we, we should also mention the story that you wrote on uh, Boston Sports Journal, because I think that gives everyone sort of a good primer of where the Celtics are at. But within that, you mentioned that you didn't think that Bradley Beal was necessarily a number one option on a, on a really good team. No, I mean, I don't think he can be your best player and win a championship. But he is best friends with Jason Tatum. True. So, yeah. underrated. Big, big, just gonna it's throw that out there, yeah. but no, no, no. But but I, I I agree with that. That I don't think Brad Beal can be the number one option on a team that's gonna win the title. Even though you know when I, I hate saying things like that because there's like you know how many right. guys like, check off no, that box. It's just a, it's no, no, it's just a reality. But I do think that I think that Tatum has that ceiling in terms of uh, first option scoring ability. Um, someone who you can throw the ball to in the fourth quarter of a like game seven, three minutes left every time down the floor and he'll get you something uh, eventually. So I, I do think that Brad Beal is enticing. I don't know exactly what it would take. It, it, Jalen would definitely be have to be involved in that deal, I would imagine. Um, probably what you offered AD, to be honest. Like the deal that if the Pelicans don't take that deal, like I think mm. that's probably going to be... Fewer, fewer picks, picks yeah, I would but you're probably gonna give them the Memphis pick, the Sacramento pick. You know, they obviously, the Wizards don't want to rebuild, but they obviously should be rebuilding, and they'll want to cash in pretty big there. Also, the ti- the timing would be really uh, almost impossible. No, like with those picks, because yeah. 
like you don't know what what Kyrie's yep. going to be doing, <laughs> and the, so we can't like yeah. So that basically puts the kibosh on that. Or you trade um, them, and you you obviously hope that the Wizards like who you drafted in those spots, which is yeah. which is a very which I feel like <laughs> yeah. honestly never happens. Like that's why trades aren't made in August with unless they're the number but, one. Yeah. Pick but when it's like the that. Wizards, don't you think like like Danny Ainge could probably convince them to like to like the, whoever whatever pick they decide they want Washington to like. That's the one thing. If that if that trade does happen with those two sides negotiating, I feel very comfortable that the Celtics would get the the better end of that deal. For sure. The yeah, it all the problem is all timing. Like right. If if Kyrie leaves high and dry, the the prime time to to and to make any trade is at the draft and obviously that's one week before free agency. So I still think I, I think that all respect to Bradley Beal that AD should be plan yeah like one two and three and four like um it, the, the whole thing that this ownership group has been discussing for the past few years is you know getting the top five player and contending for championships repeatedly and I do think that I like I would be optimistic honestly despite everything that's happened with Kyrie uh, in Boston's ability to show Anthony Davis what a actual well-run NBA organization looks like uh, from top to bottom and really wow him. And, you know, I, I get the obvious fears about Clutch and everything and Rich Paul and all that. I also think that you can't, that Rich Paul is kind of dancing on thin ice here a little bit because he's completely just like destroyed Anthony Davis's yeah. <laughs> reputation. Like he can't pull another move like that again. So I, I would be optimistic if I was Danny Inge in getting Anthony Davis, being very competitive in the East, particularly if uh, Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, as you know, a lot of people think he's going to, um, and you know, being maybe the best team in the conference or at least better than the five seed. Uh, so uh, that's kind of where I stand with, with regards to, I, I think the firm focus would be still to uh, not, off, not offer Tatum, but go, go strong after, or as strong as you can after AD. Yeah. I feel like it's, if, if you get a fair shake from AD, then I make that deal. Like if he's honestly like, I, I'm undecided, like, and the pressure's on for them to get to the East Finals or the NBA Finals, then I'll make that gamble. If you're getting signals that being like, eh, even if we do well, he's still probably going to, you know, think about going elsewhere, then I that's when I pull back. The guy who says all he cares about is winning. Right. And his legacy, well, saying, the but, problem is that you, yeah. you just can't trust anything that, that's going to be said up front. Like, that's just the truth. Right. So it's not just about... Obviously, AD, that the focus is here with Kyrie leaving, guys. I think we also should take a closer look at the C's options internally here. And that begins with, after Al Horford, obviously, the, the next two biggest free agent names on this team are Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris. Um, I'll leave it to the floor right now. Who wants to, uh, you know, we talked about Terry a lot earlier, so maybe Marcus Morris is the, the first guy to start here with, who will be entering uh, unrestricted free agency on July 1st. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, not the biggest Marcus Morris fan, and uh, yet he's, like, again, if you're going to keep this everything together and kind of roll it back and and assume that you have Al Horford and blah, 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 um, I don't know how you would replace his production. 
without re-signing him to a deal that, you know, he's obviously getting a raise. He's on a wonderful contract right now. But I, uh, like, if you can re-sign him to a tradable two, three-year contract, that that's perfect. Um, there aren't a lot of guys on the market who can do what he can do that the Celtics would be able to then afford. They will not have cap space. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you, you try to bring him back, but you hope that, I don't know if hometown discount is the right phrase here, but uh, a, a good team-friendly deal is how I would phrase it. But he's had so much fun this year, Mike. That's so much fun. <laughs> and I just wonder if he's in a, in a place where he's going to want to take that team, that team-friendly deal. He's coming off one of the team, the friendliest team deals in True. the league. He needs to get, and Rich Paul is his agent. That too. He's not going to be taking many team-friendly deals in his, so, in his past. Mike, when you, when you mentioned like other guys that might be able to do what Morris does, who are even some names that you can throw out that are free agents? Is there anyone that... I mean, honestly... Like, there's just no one acceptable. Like, I'm thinking someone who can stretch the floor, who's a big body who can defend, uh, you know, I guess. See, now I'm thinking about it. Like, wouldn't you just slide Semi up? I mean, that's the plan if they keep Kyrie for sure. Well, I mean, I mean. And maybe not. Maybe if maybe if, if Kyrie leaves too. No, yeah, because I... I now that I'm thinking, I'm, I'm looking at the names here that are, are available in free agency um, at the four. Guys who can shoot, who are, uh, you know, his rebounding has fallen off a little bit, it was, but it was nice earlier in the season. Um, who just have that size and that strength and that girth. Uh, you know, like you're looking at like, at, like there's, I'm just, there's nobody, <laughs> like nobody who would be um, acceptable for a team that is trying to go deep in the playoffs and is also affordable. Like right. there's just, there's just no names out there that are there. Like Noah Vonley. Like there's, there's no one. There's really no <laughs> one. So like here's, and this is the, the, the problem here with Kyrie Leafs is that if, especially if you want to, contend right away and go for a fade. If you get AD, you need to surround him with as much talent as possible, which means you need to keep everyone because of, like you said, Mike, the options out there are not good and you don't have much money to spend to, you could, you know, you can address point guard or stretch four. You can't address both. And I would think with Morris, he's like, there's fewer of guys that can do what he can do, even though he obviously hasn't done it well in the last couple of months. He, he still is, you know, a 40% three-point shooter by and large. And if you're, your goal is to contend next year, then you can't afford to lose him too, is kind of my, the way I look at it. Right, exactly. Um, and so Rogier, I assume, like, looking at the point guard field here, like, re-signing him would also be... I think the Celtics like I not I don't want to like get into particulars with numbers, but I feel like the Celtics would have a pretty good chance of getting him on a, a tradable team friendly contract too, which is good. Yeah, I would think so because you have obviously he's a restricted free agent, and he won't be hitting the market with coming off a good year. Obviously, like what offers is anyone even giving him an offer sheet? I don't, like I mean, like. I just don't think I don't nothing think more so. than the mid level. 
that's for sure. Like, I'd be surprised if he gets, like, I'm very curious to know, like, he was, I mean, in the preseason, we were, I heard him asking for something between, like, 15 and $20 million a year in extension talks. Yeah, I mean, and then Isaiah wanted a max. Everyone's going to ask for right. what they want, but... But yeah, what do you I think agree. he turned down, Rich? What do you think he turned down? Like, from, what do you think the Celtics offer was? In, I, uh, I have I have no idea. I can't venture a guess. I, I mean, I, they they seem to be in a position of power. You would think, right? Absolutely. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't think I wouldn't say there's anything. Well, we'll see. Maybe he will regret it. But I don't think it was one of those ones you'll hear about like after the fact, like Stephen Jackson a bunch of years ago. I'm looking. I mean, I'm it was looking almost at the, smart last year, like. Right, exactly. But I was, I was still looking at some of those names, those potential free agents. Like, how much is Miritich going to get on the market? Probably a lot. Well, I shouldn't say. I yeah, like all I these think mid level guys. I don't know. I like, think a, I I would I I had him actually written down, uh, and then I kind of abandoned it because I didn't think it was going to be realistic. Yeah. But but maybe I mean he. We'll see what happens in the playoffs if he's absolutely terrible and the Bucks lose. In round two, that might put a, a sour taste in uh, teams that would otherwise be interested in signing him, a sour taste in their mouth. But um, no, I, I do think guys who can stretch the floor as deep as he can and, and go off the bounce a little bit uh, are just really valuable. Um, so I, I would guess he's going to be out of their price range. Yeah, I would say so too. There was one other guy that I saw, but I'll, I'll, I'll jump in if I, if I come up with it. Like even like God, I don't know. I, I don't even want to say Anthony Tolliver out loud, but that's I mean that that's what yeah, we're dealing I mean, with. Like that's sort of right. the 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 level of options that are out there. Like I guess the one thing you'll have, I guess this pertains more to the point guard spot than it would for Morris's spot, but you could offer opportunity clearly at point guard if you decided to say, hey, like, you know, we don't even want to sign Rozier to. Uh, you know, eight million year deal. We can go to someone on the open market and say, "Do you want to start for us, or do you want to come off and play twenty minutes off the bench for us, and take a portion of the mid level?" Because I guess the the point guard position is a deeper one across the league. And Rozier, I think, has shown this year he's just not a he's not a point unless you want him to start and give him thirty minutes a game. Like he's not your traditional point guard he's more of a, a shooting guard i will say point guard body yeah no i will say though that like assuming that gordon hayward is going to look like his former self that's basically a point guard like right. that's that's a primary playmaker mm-hmm. um so i think the need necessarily for a traditional one is diminished but um I wrote down some names here, and I don't know how necessarily realistic it would be, uh, assuming because it's so tricky having this discussion because like everything hinges on everything else. Like if they if they don't get AD, if they do get AD, if they resign Al, how much do they resign Al for? Do they resign Rogier? Do they resign Morris? This all affects like the the, the their cap situation and and which mid level they would be able to use. Um, so the names I have here may or may not be like outlandish, but the first name that I wrote is uh, Jeff Teague, and that's a, that's outlandish because <laughs> he's not going to opt out. No, I, I was just joking, but yeah, I, I don't know. He's a gamer. I, I, for if you need a guy in the playoffs, you can count on Jeff Teague. Seemed uh, no, I was reading something about uh, I, I forget who wrote it. Um, 
but it was about his situation in Minnesota and how he was basically done. Like, so I do think he's leaving. Um, but he's got like a nineteen million dollar option. I, like, he's also know. Jeff Teague. Like, and look at the market for point guards. Like, I don't know. Like, there's Kemba, there's Kyrie, and then what other teams with cap space need a point guard? You know what I mean? Like, how long, how long did he play for Tibbs? How many years? Is it was like a year and a half? I think two years. Well, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, about so so let's add let's add like five or six seasons to his. uh... He's not, yeah, he's not particularly young either. Like, I'm gonna look up his age real quick right now. So, Mike, you think the Celtics could sign him if he? Well, I, I, I'm thinking like if they did have access to the full mid level and they could offer like a three for thirty three or something like that. I don't know. I I do think I'm not saying like it's likely, and I I also don't like Jeff Teague at yeah. all, and never have. <laughs> like but, as, a, as a person or as, in his game, and not as not as a person. No, um, he's pretty soft. soft. He's I like he, he's tough on defense for sure. He's uh, he just hasn't really done it for me as a player, but. Um, I think some of the so B Rob, you had a long list of names. That yeah. was more for the tax if they were in the tax. Yeah, so this uh, is more the tax. So it's just yeah. like five, six million dollars. Maybe I think some of these guys would push into full mid level range, which is closer to ten million. But I mean, you got you got Rondo, um, Corey Joseph, uh, Ish Smith. Oh Pat- my god, Patrick Beverly. This that's a name that I actually would be very like. I think he's going to get paid, obviously, but the Clippers might have to dump him um, to use their cap room on some max people. They will um, definitely have to dump him. So if that's the case, then that's someone I would very much be willing to give a few years to. You put him and Smart in a backcourt together, like look out. Um, and then just some random gambles that, I mean, Jeremy Lin, I don't think you're going to have to pay much more than a veteran's men to. And then if you want to gamble on young guys, there's that I don't necessarily like. There's Moutier and Alfred Payton out there. Again, not a great point guard bargain basement market. I have three more names for you. And I have two when you're done. All right. Okay. Hey. Uh, Darren Collison. Mm. Yeah. That's Inspires absolutely like just premium crickets from the audience with but that that's, name. That's yeah. the beauty but of Darren Collison. Also yeah. <laughs> we'll um, get a good look at him in the, the next month. The next two are, are way more spicy. Uh, the first is Derek Rose. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And I said this to you guys offline and you like completely threw it back on my face, but uh, bringing back Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I just, at the if it's a veteran's minimum and, you just need someone for the bench. Like I'm not totally opposed to it. I just how weird would that be politically, though? It would like, be pretty weird politically. He wants it like, to happen, though. He wants it, but like you know, he was the leader. Yeah, that would like, be weird for Washington. So much has changed. Like it's just yeah. Does he want to come back to Boston, or does he want to recreate those that however long you know year and a half or two and a half years? If, he, if Danny... he's okay, if he can be, if he's comfortable not even being Shane Larkin, like let, if if he's comfortable not playing. And just being on the bench, and then maybe the opportunity arises. But like, I don't even know how much you can even count on him physically anymore. Right, that's true. Um, Brutal. Rich, Rich, what are your people? Uh, well, my two. I was thinking more about on, on the Marcus Morris uh, wave. Okay. And again, and these two guys might get too much money, but the two names were Thad Young and uh, Aminu. So, yeah, those are two. 
are those do they have player options those guys or are they straight out i think they're going to be out of the celtics price range unfortunately yeah i mean they both i think they're both unrestricted so i think that yeah so but i think thadley they're probably like if you're the pacers i think you're keeping thad and same for the Blazers. I mean, like they have those teams don't have the means to replace. I mean, the, the Pacers do. I should take that back. They have cap space. The Blazers do not have cap space. Um, Poor Blazers. So, thinking of, yes. Speaking of which, oh, but God. yeah, but, but those but those are two of those kind yeah, of guys that can do sure. the kind of thing that Mook can do. And... Exactly. Those are definitely ideal fits for what the Celtics would want at that spot. Um, I didn't include Thad Young when I was talking earlier because I, I I think that he's out of the price range, right. but that is a pretty good fit. Although, like, I don't know. Like, I, I do think that having guys who can space, like, I a lot of smart people love Thad Young, and I just, I don't know. I respect what he does, especially on the defensive end, but he just his offensive game just doesn't really, doesn't really do it for me. I'm not sure that he can use his right hand. No, that's a problem. I think even th- yeah, find out. I've seen him take numerous make numerous layups this season. Where like, not I mean, not only was it like a, was it like a lefty layup on the right hand, but he was like more likely to get blocked with it. But he still did it, and that's that, I guess. So but yeah, but he, I, I like that he, he's the kind of guy you don't need to call a play for. You don't even need to worry about him right. offensively. But he's still gonna you know stay just as focused and get his either way. It's gonna be fascinating how this team approaches team building next year after what's gone on this year especially in a situation where they have to if, if Kyrie stays obviously then you know things are going to the dominoes are going to fall as they will with trading for AD and everything else there but what kind of philosophy they use um, if Kyrie walks in terms of the kind of guys on offense and defense they want and guys that would be happy with roles and not happy with roles etc if that will impact it more yeah, I, I, I wrote that down in my notes here where it's like I think that they would go the route of a team that is more solid in terms of uh, its expectations and you know try to sign just like veteran dudes who take care of their business and know exactly what they are and you know guys who who know the league because um, like. The end of the bench guys on this team, there's really everybody's young, everybody's hungry, and that's that's wonderful. But it's just like the experience isn't there, and um, I think that that's tough when you're when you're trying to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, and I think we also need to remember, like when we talk about like, you know, and I guess B Rob, you didn't say necessarily do things differently, but like this this wasn't really the plan, you know, like it, it worked out well for the Celtics, but like. Ever since that trade, you know, for the for the Nets picks, it's kind of just been, I, I don't know, I just kind of been going with the flow and like, you know, who knew they would be able to, you know, get Tato Man, get the Kings pick, like all these things keep happening. It's almost like an embarrassment of riches, and all of a sudden it was like, oh shit, like what do we do with all this stuff? Like how do we make it work? So I don't, even, I, I, I don't. Do you think Danny would have done things differently to get to this point? I mean, I think based on how the again, we I don't mean, know hindsight you always can, but like right. you know, knowing what he knew. It depends on the postseason, obviously, before any declarations can be made. Well, obviously, I mean, if, said, if they win the finals, Kyrie's signing. <laughs> like, he's resigning. If, if, but yeah, if like, say they lose in the second round, and Kyrie, Kyrie resigns, but they lost the the season is still like a disappointment from a just a success standpoint. Um, I do think they look at how the regular season went, 
and think about trading guys last offseason that they held on to in terms of like Rosier, Morris, et cetera, like just in terms of how the dynamics played out behind the scenes. I just wonder what they could have traded Marcus Morris for this year that would have made that big of a difference. Well, I mean, it's not, I don't know if the difference, it's almost like, do they go bigger? Like, do they play Baines and Horford together more? Like, you know, kind of take that option away from Brad and maybe the team is better off for it. I don't know. Like, is... I, yeah, I I also think that it it makes it a little bit easier, especially if Kyrie were to sign a, a five year deal. Um, it makes it just so much easier to build around that guy and find players who make sense around him and make commitments to people with skill sets that that match or fill his weaknesses and complement his strengths. It's not something you can do when. Uh, a guy is, you know, only under contract, comes to you with two years on his deal and uh, is going to hit free agency and he's waffling back and forth and he's very unpredictable. It just makes it really difficult to to settle in. Like if you're the Warriors, you can build around Steph Curry and, and you know exactly uh, what you have there. Uh, the Celtics you, have never really had that. Yeah, you want to do this with, with Anthony Davis. I do. Yeah. Well, my I, I, mean, I, I know Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. I I'm not, I don't want to, you know, understate his awesomeness. But you know, everything you just said is what was what they would be going towards. It's just very deflating to to build annually as they have to get to this point, and then like what, like this dude leaves, and all of a sudden you have to kind of hit the. It's not even hitting the reset button because you'd still have like Tatum and Jalen, but you look around the East and I'm looking at like Philly and Milwaukee. Those are the two teams that we know aren't really going anywhere. Um, And how are you going to get better than them is the question. I mean, I'm, you think Giannis is going to be there for the long term? I'm still not convinced of that. This, this is, no, that, that's a great question. Um, and he's and got at least two or three years left, right? Like, twenty twenty is he's a free agent, uh, yeah. and the Warriors will be calling, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, but no, I mean, it, it. People think that he may leave, and but he may stay. So I like, I don't know. But assuming that that he does stay, because uh, that I think if you're if you're building and thinking, you have to look at it kind of in a worst case scenario situation. Like, right. I, 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 I don't know how you would then, unless unless Tatum is this guy who makes this ridiculous leap and he's in that conversation, that MVP conversation. I don't know what you do. Oh, I mean, the Tatum was going to be my first reaction as well. I mean, that's what we're that's what we're counting on. And if we're, you know, the first thing you said about the you know, the, the Anthony Davis. Okay, in this situation, I'm not trading Tatum. So we're doing that with the assumption that this guy is going to be, let's say, at least top ten scorer, right? Pretty soon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel maybe <laughs> I don't feel better about that this year. I it, well, this year's been really weird, but yeah. I I don't necessarily I I wouldn't say you know I've heard the word regression regression used, and I I don't know I I I don't necessarily think I would be that harsh on his episode. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like. You like what you guys watch? We watched last night, and neither none of us brought up Tatum, but. His first half was bananas, and I know that it was against the Cavs, and then I know also know that in the second half he didn't score any points. Um, 
but like he just is masterful at times with the basketball in situation like he just has a knack for scoring and and uh the fact that he's still that young with that amount of experience just i, I still think the sky is the limit but you, you don't know if he's going to get there it's not a sure thing Spe- speaking of last night i i still think he if we're under, like, working under the assumption that nothing is a sure thing he feels like the closest thing to me but other than that it, get back to the Cavs game even though he had that first quarter because he, he had 21 in the first half and then didn't score in the second half is that what what it was yeah 21 in the first half and 14 in the first quarter i think right so but he um i i, I didn't think he was moving great even when he was scoring i thought his i thought his back was uh was still an issue yeah mm-hmm. might be worth following up when they're you know when they're back home be rob but like I thought he was moving a little bit gingerly, just like in, in like weird moments, like when no one else was necessarily watching. Um, I don't know. I would I say that. A factor. I would say that uh, the way he was aggressive in the post gives me pause to that, like in terms of his back being an issue, because he was going to the post just repeatedly. Um, but just watch and- the just watch the. All you gotta do is watch the way he runs up and down the court for for a lot of it. He's like. He's on his toes, and not in a way. It's just, it's just a little bit more ginger. And he missed the game with the back injury, like so. It clearly, it's, uh, it wouldn't be weird for it to be a factor, but I just think it's something to watch, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, it will so, be. I mean, go ahead, Mike. No, B Rob, you're the master. I know you're about to just whatever you're about to say was about to be brilliant. So please. Um, <laughs> so I mean, just to put a bow on like the Tatum and Jalen and what's next for this team. I guess the. The balance is obviously of like, you have Hayward and Horford at the end of their not Hayward not so much, but like you don't know what his prime looks like. Horford's clearly at the end of his prime, just like aligning those like they're clearly on different tracks from where Tatum and Jalen are. Mm-hmm. So you have a you have a decision coming up with Jalen this summer either way, um, at least from an extension standpoint. I think we should talk about that by the and way. We should talk about it. yeah. So I mean, do you are you inclined to? Trade Jalen for, if it's not AD, for something else, um, a more win-now piece, or potentially extend him, um, which you can do up until the opening night. This is, uh, so basically what you're saying is, would you move Jalen for a more win-now piece? Yes. So I have a win-now player who just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. And again, I have not looked at the money and blah, 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 but we're just having a conversation. Um, what if the Warriors called and said, we'll give you Draymond for Jalen Brown? What's Draymond's contract? He's out of max and he's going to be a free he's, agent. Well, he's slightly below max and he's he's eligible for a free agency, I think, next year. He's also represented by Rich Paul now. But just we're just talking. We're talking about a situation where the team is is really gung ho on this win now thing, um, and wants to. Uh, this is a situation where Kyrie's gone, right? Just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, just like what the the contract is not great, and Draymond's not going to age well, and it would be really interesting to see what he how he would look outside of that environment, um, on and off the court. But what do you say to that? Well, when you said he's not going to age well, he's not really an athletic guy. I wonder. He's not, but I mean, if you watch if you watch him now as opposed to a, like two years ago, it doesn't even look like the same player. Sure, but I mean, I wonder how much of that is physical versus mental at this point. But 
Um, I, but and for that very reason, I don't know. I don't think I want to roll the dice on that. So I think I like your thought, Mike, but the problem is I think from money standpoint, you can't make that deal unless you're giving up smart. Right. Yeah. Or no, here. No. So like if, if smart and, and I think that's kind of reductive, like you're trading smart for, for Draymond and that's like, that'd be stupid. Right. So um, I like the thought, I like the thought process on that. Cause that's the kind of guy that I think would be the kind of guy I would target in that scenario. Like of moving on from Jalen now, like someone with the bona fides to, uh, to like come in here and be, can play a role, can add something tangible without needing to, you know, put up 20 points a game. Someone, like, yeah, and someone who's just, right, and someone who's just more of, like, a finished product. Right. Um, yeah. But, um, I mean, extension-wise, the Celtics have not, I think they still have not signed anyone to an extension since, I want to say Rondo, which I think tells the story. Wow. Uh, that's really interesting. So we know what the philosophy is from the, the front office there, I feel like, which I feel has paid off more times than not. Well, you want to let your guy hit uh, restricted free agents because that's, yeah, right. all the smart teams do that for sure. Um, and when they I signed do... that Rondo extension, that was like a considered a wild steal. Right. For a few years. Yeah. What was that? A f- what? Yeah, that was like 55 million or something. I think it's 55, yeah. yeah. 555. Um, so, I mean, with Jalen, I think the approach is obviously to, your, 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 the goal is to get him in on a, a non max. And I think the question actually should be, do we think that Jalen, I mean, like last year it was a lock that you're going to have to max Jalen. That's obviously not a lock anymore. Uh, Or is it? Like, what do you guys think about him hitting restricted, like gambling, for lack of a better word, letting him hit restricted free agency? And like, if he gets a max offer, you're going to have to match that. I can see him getting a a, a, a max. Can't you guys? From somebody? I don't think so. Just takes one, right? But what do you? Why would you max? What like? What are you doing? Like, but <laughs> what, is it does, what is he done? What is he done to deserve a max? I don't know. I mean, so if someone wants to take a chance, and if they, if they think that this is a guy that you can build around, if he really, if he isn't Jason Tatum, but if he is, you know, a future All Star, I don't know. Same reason, you know. There are a lot of stupid gyms out there. I don't know. Te- teams need something. I, it, but if if it happened, what would you do? You let him go? Uh, no, no, I probably wouldn't let him go. But I mean, assuming that, look, I I think the the thing here if is if you wouldn't let like, him go, it's not that stupid. Well, so the thing is, like, uh, just I, I guess the question is, how aggressive do you think the Celtics are going to be at the negotiating table for this extension? Like, how 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 interested are they in locking him up and? avoiding restricted free agency with someone who you know unlike marcus smart jalen brown is you know body type positionally uh as you alluded to rich you know his ceiling is way 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 higher um so it's just there's a higher risk factor here in terms of letting him hit restricted free agency so how aggressive do you think b rob how aggressive do you think the celtics will be in the negotiation process for an extension with him i don't think very that's not that aggressive I think they're gonna. I Hard think ball. to Rich's point, like the 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 situation you want to guard against is the Otto Porter situation, where you have a team that obviously in the Nets that aren't going to get anyone else and figure what the heck we'll take a gamble on a guy that and make at least the Wizards pay up and then you overpay a guy 
anyway, but at the same time, the Celtics don't want to be the Wolves with Andrew Wiggins and end up with a contract that, you know, is an albatross, like, one year into the deal. So, given those two scenarios, I still think that, like, the Celtics lean more towards, like, we're going to roll the dice and hope a team isn't stupid um, because the – just based on their track record. But yeah. do you think you could get him at a at a at a a rate that's way below the max coming off this season? No, I don't think Jalen is gonna like. I think Jalen is gonna want to get his money, and I don't think he's gonna settle. And so, I wonder how happy he is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I think that's to be taken into consideration too. I don't think anyone's very happy right now. But it's your to your point to the two examples you used, B. Rob, like. You know, at that point, Otto Porter was, I don't want to say it was deservedly so, just the way it worked out. Like, he was the clear-cut, like, being framed as the number three guy, like, with that wizard squad, right? Wiggins was right. the number two. And right now, I mean, Jalen can make an argument to be, like, the five or fifth or sixth most important player, you know, on the team right now. It's just a different right. uh, different world. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's whether or not you trade him, I think, is the bigger choice there. And I, yeah, I, him. I think it's really difficult to uh, talk about this before he, he we see what he does in the playoffs too. Exactly. Um, all right, so let's. Um, I think we can kind of segue into over under here, while also talking about some, you know, getting back to Kyrie a little bit. Um, we're gonna put the over under at fifty percent on whether he's gonna stay in Boston, and then we can maybe think about where he where we think he might go, but over under guys, 50% is Kyrie staying going. Is that where do you guys come on that? I'm over. Uh, if I had to put a number on it, I would put it at 65 before the playoffs. Um, not a lot of logic behind my rationale <laughs> beyond, number. beyond the, you know, like the Celtics can offer him, uh, about fifty million dollars more than any other team. Uh, it, I just, I know that 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 it's so funny how money has completely uh, eluded this conversation when it comes to re-signing guys like Kawhi Leonard and and Kyrie and and KD. Like just the money, fifty million dollars is is pay, he would be paid through his thirty two, and obviously he can make up a bunch of that, if not all of it, on his next deal. But this is a guy who. Uh, has suffered serious knee injuries in the past, and I, d- I don't know exactly how much financial security plays into what he's thinking. He's also, you know, a hugely marketable personality off the court and wants to be this, you know, like movie producer. So obviously his revenue streams are going to be coming from elsewhere. But uh, I don't know. I just think that it, the Celtics can offer a lot more. The Celtics are, uh, besides this season, <clears throat> You know, a very stable, a symbol of, of, of stable um, uh, team building and, and just how they uh, go about their business uh, relative to other organizations around the league. Uh, if you want to win, I think this is a good place to do it. And they're set up to be very good in the future with Jalen, uh, or I should say with Tatum and potentially even trading for Anthony Davis down the line. Um, I don't know. I'm at 65 percent. I'm not like super, super pumped about it either way. Rich. Yeah, I'd, I'd maybe go a little bit higher, but like not too much. And certain, certainly not lower. 
I just feel like another thing is, well, you said it like, you know, generally speaking, Mike, but I don't think that Kyrie is going to go to a, a worse team. I don't think he's going to pick up like, and it's crazy how, you know, how the conversation gets with you know comments he makes or just, you know, with the way the media runs with it. But like, I don't think there are going to be very many options where he's going to have a better chance to win than what he's got right now with or without Anthony Davis. Yeah. So I say I unless, unless the playoffs are a disaster. What's a disaster? You know? First round loss. First round time. loss. So what? What if or, you, or, what if or, or, losing or five to the Bucks? Is that a disaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that yeah. And then we'll see how. Oh, you say we'll see how Kyrie plays. I would assume not very well if if they lose to Milwaukee in five. But yeah, I mean, uh, but otherwise, I it just still makes sense for him to sign here. Yeah, I'm with you guys on the over. I I would put it probably seventy seventy five percent that he stays still. Um, but again, that assuming. If the disaster playoff happens, then I think we're looking more at a coin flip. Um, I think this is we can segue into the the bet prediction of the week of since you kind of just alluded to Rich of like if Kyrie is going to leave Boston, where does he go? And I know Rich, you think that potentially where he goes here could feasibly impact what the Celtics decide to do or what kind of team he would go to in that situation. Well, no, I was just saying if by some chance the, the only the Knicks or, or the Nets, I guess, would be the only ones. That yeah, a super team, super team in the East, where maybe you would take your foot off the gas a little bit if it's like, oh wait, like maybe we should just chill a little bit, keep our flexibility, not go crazy, just to, I don't know, to to make it like the other teams do, make it seem like we're competing when at the end of the day we're still not going to do it. I still think I, I think there's there's there could be a difference between. The short term window and focusing on the short term versus now taking a step back and focusing on the long term. But um, yeah, I, I think the Clippers would be a fun potential spot though. Especially talking about you know, PNA, he wants to be movie producer, he wants to get into all that. Doc would probably be a pretty good coach for Kyrie, I think. Mm. I mean, he raved about him. The, in, he dated uh, his daughter for a while, didn't he? Did he? I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, look at that. Breaking that's, news. That's good. Um, I agree with you, Rich. I think the the Clippers would be, if I had to guess, for somewhere he goes, um, if like him and Kawhi go there, then that that would, I think that's almost as likely, if not more likely, in my eyes than like a a Knicks scenario for the in terms of being competitive right away. Isn't that like a isn't Kawhi like the best star to be with, Kyrie? I would think so. Like the guy who just does not. Like, he clearly was a little perturbed by the fact that uh, LeBron was always the focus in terms of the media spotlight, uh, and, like, Kawhi just is the literal opposite of LeBron in terms of off-the-court charisma and uh, engagement. Um, So I think that, uh, yeah, that would be a really... Clippers are a really interesting team in general this summer. Um, I'm pretty sure that their top two targets, no surprise to anyone, are Kawhi and then uh, Kevin Durant. And so it'll be interesting to see how that works out for them. But another play there, you know, if you go to the Clippers, uh, what would have to feel really enticing for Kyrie, uh, obviously there's the Hollywood stuff and blah, 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 but... Like stealing that city from LeBron sure. over the next few years totally. would be just—I bet that's a that's a carrot dangling in front of his eyes. The arena, and go into LeBron's home, steal it from him. I mean, it's amazing how much the 
the feelings about the Clippers have turned to with this in the last month or two from like, you know, now they look like a really interesting place to play if you're going to be a free agent. Um, it's just so weird because like we around. said, like, like we said, so many of those guys would have to leave. For right, exactly. So, was, right? <laughs> so how, how accurate would that be? Um, it is, a, it's a fascinating subplot to the, the postseason and beyond. Um, all right. So do you want to make a, a prediction, Mike? Where he goes, if he does not, if go he does to not, if he is not staying with the Celtics, where where does he land? My prediction is actually going to be Knicks. Knicks still, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and um, I also, I also don't think the Knicks would be very good. Right, I'm with you on that. I think In which that, case, I don't think he would go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, should we put a, Mike? You want to put a bow on this one with the the stat of the week here? Oh, wonderful. Uh, really teeing me up there. Um, yeah, so this is just a kind of a silly little stat that may be kind of meaningful depending on how you want to look at it, but it has to do with Kyrie Irving, who's the star of today's episode. Uh, so I was just fiddling around uh, different statistical websites, and I saw that Kyrie has only drawn uh, three uh, shooting fouls while attempting a three this season. Uh, last year... He drew 12 shooting fouls while attempting a three, and the year before that, it was 17. And for a guy who's got a, I believe this is a career-low free throw rate for him, you see a lot of really talented scorers um, kind of make an art out of drawing fouls behind the three-point line. Uh, It's become a key part of James Harden's game. Uh, Jay Crowder has basically been like the Picasso of this. and uh, it's just it's kind of interesting to me just that, that Kyrie has not been more aggressive generally from behind the three point line, nor that he has drawn more fouls. Yeah, it's a it's a little worrisome. Um, just his free throw rate. I mean, this whole team's free throw rate has been worrisome all year long. Um, but in the crunch time moments, or just any time throughout the game, he's not. He's, I don't know if he's shying away from contact totally, but he definitely isn't embracing it. And um, I don't know if that's whether to protect himself from injury or whatever. But, like, do you do you expect that to get better in the playoffs, Rich? Do you think that will, like, whether it's, you know, getting guys on threes or even going to the hoop, like, is that going to change? Uh, I would hope so, yeah, because like you said, we, we could talk about... And we should we should say, as we're talking about him leaving and uh, that he's been he's having... <laughs> Across the board, he's having a pretty amazing season. I mean, he's, I know his career-high assists, career-high rebounds, career-high steals and blocks. Um, but like you said, he's averaging uh, only one other season. He tied with this, but a career low for, for foul shot attempts. So, um, yeah, so, he's, he's only 26. You, you would like to see him get to the hoop a little bit more in the playoffs, sure. But I also would prefer him not getting knocked to the ground uh, three or four more times a game. Yeah. If it comes down to that, you know. So just so we're clear here, we 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 do want Kyrie to stay. Is that where? <laughs> well, if we would like the Celtics to win a, a yeah. title sooner rather than later, I think that's probably the best scenario. I yeah, and it's really interesting to me. Like, there's a, a lot of people think that the Celtics would be better off. I I str- I try to find some sort of uh, you know I try to understand that view, and I just I can't do it he's just such a freak talent and he's so young and like 
basically, you know, you re-sign him and you also get Anthony Davis. Like, I just don't understand what the, the thought process is. Do you, do you know how many millions of people in the world think that 9-11 was an inside job? <laughs> Yikes. And that's just, but I'm serious. That's just but, one thing. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we can be surprised at the, extent, at, the, at the lengths that people can convince themselves of shit. Yeah, but there, yeah. I mean, like... And we Kyrie certainly could... shouldn't cater this podcast to them. <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, like, Kyrie has not, in the locker room this year, has not, like, for as good as he's been on the court, I do, like, there is something to the fact that they're, like, he is, he's not the biggest problem on this team, obviously, but that stuff has been an issue. Like, his post-game stuff, and he's gotten over it, but his, his leadership work um, has left something to be desired this year. That's very fair. Very fair. He's 26 so, years old, so I'm willing so to I give think, him a, another shot or two if it comes down to it, though. But I think people can see, like, yeah, if there were if the Celtics had cap room this offseason, then, yeah, maybe you you don't keep Kyrie. Maybe you try to go after someone else. Um, they don't. We, will, we walk through what the alternatives were here. And like you said, Rich, the a path to contention is not uh does not does not seem to be an easy in the cards, um, without a lot of risk being taken. B Rob, I really quickly wanna just throw uh, an addendum on my stat of the week. Yeah. Uh just I wanna add some context because what I said when I first looked it up it was like super impressive or, or super notable to me. Um and I feel like I, I need to add more context so that the listeners can appreciate it. So I said that Kyrie Irving has drawn three uh, shooting fouls while shooting a three this year. Three. James Harden, you guys want to guess what his number is? Oh, gosh. Three a game? Huh. I'll say... 85. Uh, yeah. 85. Wow. Kemba Walker is number two. Do you want to guess? I'll let both of you guess what number he's at. It's 51. No. Uh, twenty nine. Wow, B Rob, thirty. Get it? Oh. Thirty. Wow. Um. So, obviously, Harden is like operating on a completely different uh, planet. But, uh, like, why is Kemba Walker at thirty and Kyrie at three? You know, like I, I don't. It's like it's not like he can't get higher. I just don't understand it. Yeah, but a lot of it's just like the fact that I wonder if they if they switch places this season, right? Kemba was playing with Tatum and Hayward and and Jalen and Horford. I wonder instead of Willie no, Bennett, it's just the, Hurt, the, Hurting the Gomez. Was, you know? No, no, it's, <laughs> it's it's but it's not even about. It's like some one guy has an art to is more aggressive shooting threes, and Kyrie is it. Like that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. If you're drawing fouls shooting a three, it's like it's a skill. Uh, so it's just like why isn't Kyrie doing it? I mean, well. We'll try to find out. We'll see. I'm very curious. To see why don't you happens. ask him? I'll ask, ask yeah, him. Yeah, I'll see. Like, hey, why aren't you getting fouled this year, man? Yeah. He's like, I'm saving it for the playoffs. Actually, uh, don't ask him. I want to. Okay, you can. <laughs> when when we'll are you next going to see the Celtics, it. Mike? Do you have a plan? Do you have plans to visit B Rob in the locker room? Um, I hope well, so. I, I actually am going to be in Las Vegas at a bachelor party. This when weekend? The Celt- yes, when the Celtics are hey. in town, unfortunately. Wow. Um, Where are you guys staying? This is I'm not I'm not giving out this information <laughs> on the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> so if you're looking, though, so if you're in Vegas this weekend, if you're a winning plays listener, keep an eye out. Mike For loves Mike loves to gamble, I so he'll be gambling. at he'll be at the blackjack table all night. 
Um, yeah, craps. Craps is a game, right? Yep. There you go. Craps tables. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so we'll get a full full gaming report from Mike. Mm. Actually, I might have you make some bets for me when you're there. Okay. Um, so we'll talk off the air here, but um, I'll hook you up with my Venmo. Beautiful. Uh, but we will we'll be back next week after uh, Kyrie returns to the floor after we see what the Pacers look like, uh, see where the the seating is trending towards, and. Uh, Again, see if this team is piecing it together.